The good news is I see something that is uniting all sides that everyone seems to have in common these days. The bad news is it's being addicted to grievance. I'm Chris Cuomo and welcome to the Chris Cuomo Project. I'm gonna break down for you what I see as a common ingredient or really a toxin that is telling the story of how we feel about what's happening in Israel, to right here to speaker in the house, to our government, to our culture, even to our sports. It's everywhere and it has to be seen, exposed and changed. Thank you for following. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for checking out the free agent gear. That's why being a free agent, being an independent mind is so important because the groupthink is gangrenous right now. It is making us sick and I'll take you through it because then you'll see it everywhere too. And then you can make choices for yourself about what you wanna be a part of and what you wanna say no to, all right? So addicted to grievance, a bipartisan bombardment of you, of your families with messaging that is incessantly negative. There is no more pitch of positivity. Nobody is promising to do anything good for you unless you see the good in them attacking the bad because everything is about vote for me because he or she or it or they are worse. I have to stop this problem. We have to stop this. We have to stop that. Nobody points to solutions. Why? Doesn't need to be done. Why not? Because grievance is the main currency. Well, why is that? Well, it's because of several factors. One, politics often resonates on the negative. Why are most political commercials attack ads? The ratio is five, six, seven to one compared to ads that are about what this person will do for you, as opposed to doing against something that he or she wants you to be afraid of. Second, that plays into self-protection. We are more drawn to people who offer to keep us safe in a real or perceived or even imagined way than we are to virtue signaling and thinking about aspirational things, which is odd if you think about it. Because in our personal lives, okay, self-help is a big thing. Wellness is a big thing, okay? But if you think about it in your other friendships, be friends with me because the other guy is an even bigger asshole. Not the best sell proposition, right? Um, uh, work out so that you're not a cow. That's not really how it works. It's about being your best self, what you're potential is, how you can be more attractive, stronger, more functional, um, have better success at work, at home with yourself. These are all positive influences, right? They're all aspirational things. But why is it when we get into these group settings, especially politics, and especially our reckoning of going from the micro to the macro political issues like the Middle East, we get so binary. And so drawn, not just to the binary, but to the negative, the fearful, the hostile. Why? Self-protection, the strength of demagoguery, right? 
and the breakdown in trust. When I say that social media is proof of this disease, it's not that social media is bad. Social media is not good or bad. It is whatever it's used for. However, it does have some traits that make it a very interesting vehicle for propaganda. It's anonymous. All sources kind of seem the same. If something gets traction, it's automatically legitimate. But things can get traction just because they're absurd or funny uh, or catchy, but not necessarily true or suggestive of something true or useful. So it is a, it has a lot of potential. And what we're seeing is that it has been weaponized by those who have agendas that are often about scaring you and telling you here's what to believe. And it's made discerning information very difficult. And we're kind of lazy and people want it to be easy, right? This is America, a needle away from being thin. You know, that's how we think. We want it to be easy. When someone tells you, here's what it is, here's the video, here's the fact, you know, here's the truth, here's the exposed, here's the gotcha. It's very, very appetizing to want to believe that. And that's where confirmation bias comes in and you looking for things that reinforce how you already feel or think you want to feel, social media. And we see it making situations worse because of those who are using it and their agendas. It's not social media is bad, social media is powerful. Social media is seductive. And as we more and more spend more and more time on this, it has even more reaching capability than perhaps anything else. So where do we see this addiction to grievance? Okay, well, where does it start? We just talked about that a little bit more, but a step more into it. We are just drawn to the negative. It, why? Self-protection, satisfaction, easy of ease of comparison, and Things more and more, especially in our, in our politics, being binary. The toxic twosome of left versus right. And one wins because the other is worse. And it's much easier for you to beat me in a competition by making me lose than it is for you to achieving a better standard, a higher bar. It's easier to say I suck than to convince people that you're worth trusting. Think about it. It's true. And that's what we're seeing. And our system is going more and more that way as the rest of our culture evolves or devolves to embrace grievance as a legitimate end. Now, I remember being raised in a place and in a way and in a time when you would complain and people would say, stop bitching and do something about it. Stop whining. All we do is whine now. That's all we do is air grievances and say what bothers us. Look at the roots of wokeism. Look at me too. Look at cancel culture. These are all things that had goals of positive change, but they've been reduced to almost the sole metric of negative manifestation, whether it's in criticism on social media or media writ large or any other cultural forum having people lose their jobs, taking them down, bringing shame, but what gets better? Who even goes back and looks? 
to see what positive change has come. What about the institutions who have been attacked or that have been attacked in the past? Does anybody go back and look and see if there are more progressive policies in place? If the people who wanted, who we wanted to empower have been empowered? Are there just better processes and vehicles for people to be treated fairly and decently? Or has it all it done is spread fear and made it less likely that men will want to hire women because you never know if they're going to go bad on you? You know you've heard that. That's not the goal. That's not getting better. And we should want to get better, but better is hard and worse is easy. If you think about it behaviorally, it's so easy to get worse and so hard to get better. Let's go to McDonald's for two, three days straight, right? You know you're going to pack on five, six pounds of complete salty water weight and flubber. You know how long it'll take you to lose six pounds of quality weight or put on six pounds of quality muscle? What a metaphor. It's so easy to go bad, to be negative. And it's addictive to bitch and complain and to see yourself as a victim, whether you are or you're not. And to see somebody else is to blame for it. Very powerful in politics to give you someone to blame. I remember my father, may he rest in peace, had one expression that I never thought was catchy and one truth that was absolutely spot on. The expression was, any jackass can kick down a barn, but it takes a good man or woman to build one. Hmm, not catchy, but true. And he loved that expression. What's the point? The point is obvious, right? It's easy to tear something down. It's hard to build something. Support for the Chris Cuomo Project comes from Prize Picks. Prize Picks, man, if you like DFS, this is the way to go. America's number one fantasy sports app. Three million members. Why? Easy, exciting, plenty of action. Makes watching the sports, makes watching the players more fun. You just pick more or less on two or more player stats. And if you're any good, winnings roll in. And now you can win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. You can turn 100 into 10,000. You can turn 10 bucks into 1,000. Basketball, hockey, college, you know, all the different entries today on Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. You ready to get started with Prize Picks? Download the app today. Use code CCP. You'll get a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. Again, download the app today. Use the code CCP. You get a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. Prize Picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Support for the Chris Cuomo Project comes from AG1. Listen, my brothers and sisters, you know that I take my health seriously, right? I'm an aging athlete. I'm dealing with long COVID. That's why AG1 is a big part of my game, and I have been taking it for many years. Why? Because it's one and done. I don't have to worry about the combinations. I don't have to worry about the price the same way. It's so much less expensive than taking all these things separately. And it's the deliverability. It's just a scoop and a glass of warm water for me, but you can put a scoop of it in whatever you want. And boop, down the hatch, and that's that. People ask me all the time, AG1, do you really take it? Yeah, it's all over my house. And I've been drinking it for a long time, and I think it works. 
I have partnered with AG1 for so long because they make a high-quality product that I trust to have as part of my routine every day. So, you want to replace whatever you're doing now? Start AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash ccp. That's drinkag1.com slash ccp. Check it out. Now, then there was something else that he was very much about that I thought. And it's no, it's not the campaign and poetry govern in prose, although this does feed into that as well, which is that you say all the things you're going to promise, promise, promise. But then when you get in there, you really don't do anything. And what that does is engender a culture of disappointment and a lack of trust. And people are more open to the negative when it comes to our politics and our governance and our institutions. So it's easier to sell them on it because they're kind of set up for that expectation anyway. And we see that in the Middle East. Israel is a tough analysis because they're the little guys surrounded by existential threats in the Arab world that all call for their extermination. It's not just about land. Okay, Golda Meir was right. The battle, former head of Israel, uh, five, six years as prime minister. Um, it's not just about land. It's about whether or not Jewish people have the right to exist anywhere. And that's the truth. Now, you may not want to see it that way because it makes it scary to be anything but supportive, but that's what it is for them. Yet they have such military and political might. So at once you can see them as David or Goliath, depending on your disposition. And what we see is there's nothing wrong. And it's not about just simple grievance to be in favor of the suffering in Palestine ceasing. But to just see that as a function of Israel's will is unrealistic. And it shows that what you're really doing is just advancing grievance. What's happening in Palestine is wrong. True. And it needs to stop. True. And it's really fucked up how all these kids and innocents and women are being destroyed. And there's a generation that is being ruined. And at a minimum, that is now being conditioned to hate Israel and to be bent on vengeance. True, true, true. And that's why Israel is bad. Now... You're just addicted to the grievance. And you just see a through line of attack, 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 negative, negative, negative. And you're losing touch with what the solution is because it's easier to blame. It can't be that there's a sole criterion, a single factor in what will make life better in Palestine. Oh, sure it can. It's, it's Israel. Israel is the one occupying. Israel is the one not letting them live their lives and all these things. First of all, two things. One, well, why? Right? They fought wars over this. There were uprisings. They are constantly being bombarded. Yeah, but because of what they do. No, that's not fair. Israel didn't start people wanting to attack them. Israel's existence did. Okay? Israel was not the initial aggressor. And look, you can go back so far, but I'll tell you what, the farther you go back, you pick any date, you're not gonna find that Jewish people were not on that land or were not in that region or had no right. That's not gonna happen unless you just decide to be more about the grievance and less about the gravitas of the facts and the fact basis. Doesn't mean that Israel has clean hands because they don't, because they have been super aggressive and the interest of their own protection, there have been oppressive measures on Gaza and the West Bank. But why? 
because they're under constant existential threat. And that takes us to the second reason. There is a common enemy in this second, in this situation, if you can get past grievance. If you can get past, I feel bad for the Palestinians and I need someone to blame and Israel's the easy one and they do have unclean hands here to a certain extent. They certainly are not perfect in their ways, okay? And just stop it there because that's what we are about grievance for and against. Either you're Israel or you're Palestine. Not me. Not me. Why? Because I see shades of gray and false equivalency. No, that's all bullshit and that's your addiction to grievance. You just got a bitch about a nuanced or more sophisticated analysis. But that's not my problem because I live these problems. I go and witness them. I see the death. I see the disenfranchisement. I see the pain. I see it over generations. I've seen it for decades. And I hear about it from those living and losing and languishing. So no, it's not an article of convenience for me. It's not just to be right. It's not to advance an agenda. I'm not addicted to grievance. What I see okay, is a situation where everyone is too happy to sit and watch bad outcomes because they work to their own advantage. That's what I see. And if you want Palestine to be free and to have a better way of life there and any chance at any kind of opportunities for optimism, it's never going to happen as long as a terror organization is at the helm. And that's what Hamas is. Ceasefire. Sounds great. Why would you cease fire if you knew I was going to keep attacking you? Hamas just said that that's what they're going to do until there is no Israel. You don't deal with that part of the analysis. Why? Because you're addicted to the grievance and you want to keep it simple. Israel bad, Palestine good. It is not that simple. And it never has been. But they do have the common enemy. If Hamas were not there, if there were a legitimate, secular, elected, functioning, non-kleptocracy system, then you would have two things. One, a chance for Palestine to get out from under the weight of its oppression and high ground in having Israel not only back off, but either be a good neighbor or to be gone. Why? because nobody's attacking them. Oh, it's disproportionate. That's attacked. That is mindless grievance. 9-11, remember what happened in America. We weren't surrounded on all sides. We didn't face an existential threat. You could have pointed the finger at the United States and its past policies for creating oppressive situations and abandoning allies and setting them up to death and destruction. And that is absolutely a reason why we were targeted by uh, extreme Islamists but you didn't hear any of that shit. Why? Because once they hit you and your eyes go red and your blood boils, you're not open-minded anymore. And now you too are addicted to grievance. And we, America went into the wrong country on arguably bad, if not faked information and killed everybody. Not like Hamas, but not that far off either. Because war is hell and people die dirty. And I have seen it and I know it. And you didn't see this going on on the campuses. Why? One, there's a new generation that I think is struggling to find a sense of purpose and are getting caught up in this binary situation of what you're for and what you're against. 
and keeping it simple. And yes, being in a grievance culture, this is a generation that perhaps more than any other has been allowed to complain and has been placated when they do. And I'm not shitting on a generation. Obviously, you know, it's so hard to generalize in anything. And every generation kind of complains about the one after it is being soft. But this, and you guys have a, having a generation of parents like me who are trying to make up for their own childhood and try to love you in a way and be with you in a way and spoil you in a way and indulge you in a way and connect with you in a way that we may have longed for, I think has created a different mindset where you are very comfortable complaining about things and feeling that you have a mandate of, um, of criticizing and standing up against. And look, that, that can be uh, powerful and empowering. But to see kids on college campuses right now ignoring what Hamas did or yeah, butting it, I've never seen that before with an act of terror. And you could argue this isn't even an act of terror because it was an entire brigade that just did savage things. How can you call them savages? You're dehumanizing them. No, they dehumanize themselves with what they did. Oh, it's not true because I didn't see it myself. And yet you wanna believe facts and figures of what's happening in Palestine that you have no way of verifying. That's why I wanna go there. I don't have a death wish. I don't even enjoy it, by the way. I'm not a war correspondent. I'm not a tough guy. I'm not a cowboy. I'm not a soldier. I have no illusions or delusions about myself. There's just no substitute for having been on the ground and seeing it yourself when I'm dealing with haters and hypocrites and people who are just addicted to grievance want to make shit up or be selective in what they decide to argue. Why? Because I care about the outcomes. And I do want to see a generation of people get out from the yoke of oppression and not suffer and not die and not die dirty. And how could you even ever accuse someone of willfully supporting genocide? Who do you think you are to say something like that? Well, but you support Israel and it's a genocide. You don't even know what genocide means, let alone blaming people who are actually legitimately the heirs of being the target of genocide of the same thing. How insulting, how rude. How wrong. The only explanation is that you're just addicted to the grievance. And it feels good to be against them and say the meanest things that you can because all you're about is the reductive tendencies. Oh, no, no, I'm for positive outcomes in Palestine. Okay, but you're not, uh, you, you just came to this all of a sudden. This isn't the worst violence between these two. It's just the worst violence against Israel. How perverse and paradoxical that America is knuckling up for Palestine now when it is in the worst position it's been in in terms of responsibility for the conflict in the region. Think about it. We've never seen this kind of savagery at the hands of even a terror organization, even Hamas. And now is when you believe Palestine has high ground? because Israel is bombing the shit out of them. And I look, I don't like that that's happening. In fact, I don't even think that it helps them in their aim, their goal of getting rid of Hamas. I don't think so, why? Because I don't think you can bomb an idea out of existence. I think you're only emboldening it. But at the same time, I get why America did what it did after 9-11 of wanting to root out the people responsible for it. You can even argue that it's good politics. 
certainly didn't hurt President Bush, and he didn't even go into the right country. Didn't hurt Obama, and he suggested winning. He won an election largely because of an economic downturn that his opponent, may rest in peace, Senator McCain said, I'm not the economics guy. And by saying we're in the wrong country in Iraq, we should go to Afghanistan. And then he sent us into a place that is known as the graveyard of empires. Crazy. The roots of being addicted to grievance, that when you feel you've been wronged, anything you do is right. Support for the Chris Cuomo Project comes from AG1. Listen, my brothers and sisters, you know that I take my health seriously, right? I'm an aging athlete. I'm dealing with long COVID. That's why AG1 is a big part of my game, and I have been taking it for many years. Why? Because it's one and done. I don't have to worry about the combinations. I don't have to worry about the price the same way. It's so much less expensive than taking all these things separately. And it's the deliverability. It's just a scoop and a glass of warm water for me, but you can put a scoop of it in whatever you want. And boop, down the hatch, and that's that. People ask me all the time, AG1, do you really take it? Yeah, it's all over my house. And I've been drinking it for a long time, and I think it works. I have partnered with AG1 for so long because they make a high-quality product that I trust to have as part of my routine every day. So, you want to replace whatever you're doing now? Start AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash ccp. That's drinkag1.com slash ccp. Check it out. Support for the Chris Cuomo Project comes from Done With Debt. Let me tell you, we're all dealing with it, especially in American culture, right? Because we're so credit sensitive. We have so much available credit. People take advantage of it. Often it takes advantage of them. High interest credit cards are real. Loans make it nearly impossible to pay off your debt. Inflation keeps just taking away what you can pay, keeps you stuck in almost a paycheck to paycheck existence. Done with debt can be a lifeline. Done with debt has this ingenious new system that gives you a way to deal with debt faster and easier than you probably thought possible. See, Done With Debt analyzes all the debt options that you qualify for. They know how to reduce bills, cut interest rates. They have a skilled staff of negotiators that know how to get debt out of your life, ready? Permanently. Done With Debt has a bunch of experts. They've been doing this and they know the best strategies to reduce and remove debt from your life. But you gotta hurry because some debt solutions are time sensitive. Here's how easy they'll make it. If you go to donewithdebt.com, that's donewithdebt.com, right? D-O-N-E-W-I-T-H-D-E-B-T.com, you can find the answers to your debt problems. That's where we are, because that's how we are right now. You are supporting Palestine, good. You want better for them, you should. But you are coming at it at a time when Israel has suffered the worst thing that we've seen and blaming them for it and excusing any way you want to look at it. Any way you look at it. If you don't believe the key to the situation is getting rid of Hamas, then you either don't understand the situation or you are simply addicted to the grievance. 
and not really thinking about how to make it any better. Because you can't think that somebody is going to cede advantage to a terror organization that just went on television and said, we're going to keep attacking them. Biden calls for a pause. Get Hamas to pause. Get Hamas to pause. And to secure a human corridor, which they can't secure, they're terrorists. Everybody should want more aid. The suffering is should be keeping you up at night. It's keeping me up at night. It should keep us up at night. And do you know how much suffering there is in the world right now that you're ignoring? Why this one? Is it something about Jewish people or their, their, the cultural concept of them in our, in our country? There's so much pain. There's so much fighting. There's so much death. And we have kids on college campuses in a way I've never seen in this generation, largely dismissing acts of terrorism and justifying it because of a misplaced sense of proportionality. After 9-11, America went into the wrong country and killed everyone it saw for years, killed the head of the country, then went into Afghanistan and did the same damn thing. Why was it different? We didn't have social media. That's a big difference. So there wasn't this platform for grievance and to attack what America was doing. But I think there were a couple of other ingredients as well. You are the ones who got hit. If you're American, if you're even old enough to remember, ask your parents. And when George Bush, the president then, walked out on the rubble and said, everyone's going to hear our anger soon, we applauded because there was vengeance in the air, because we were addicted and motivated by the grievance. Addicted to, motivated by. So much so that when the media started to expose that the basis of yellow cake and weapons of mass destruction that was supposed to be in Iraq were not only not there, but was probably in part fabricated, we got shut down. And guess by who? You. When the president's administration started saying that the media was going to hurt the morale of the troops and make it more dangerous for them on the ground, even though we were right, you told us to shut up and you stopped watching the news. Which, by the way, I suggest to you today, you should take in less social media and you should take in less media. And I'll tell you why. And be a lot more selective about your sources because it's feeding your addiction to grievance. As soon as you get on this fucking thing, you're going to get a million reasons to be pissed off about somebody or something and know who you think you should blame. We see it everywhere. Our party politics is exclusively about who is wrong. You don't think it leads you to bad places? We now have a speaker of the house who says, you want to know what I'm about? Read the Bible. Really? Really? That's, that's what you want to hear from the Speaker of the House in a secular Congress in America, where our religion is the Constitution. Oh, I'm okay with it, I'm Christian. Really? What if he said, hey, you wanna know what I'm about? Read the Quran, and he was Muslim. You'd go batshit crazy. And you wouldn't be wrong, why? Because we're not supposed to be ruled by religiosity, and I'll tell you what's even worse than that to me. I don't really care. 
if somebody is led by their faith in terms of what their morality is and what way they think they should be. What scares me is when someone says in full-throated fashion that they're all about this faith, that the Bible is everything and every word of it is true, which is nuts, but they don't live it. Because let me tell you something, you look at Mike Johnson's policies and what he's allowed himself to be a part of and what he's condoned, and you tell me he's WWJDing every situation that comes his way. He tried to overturn an election under false pretenses that he knew were false. And now with that and all the homophobic things and everything he's said about protected groups, he says he doesn't even remember saying them. Yeah, that sounds Christ-like. He's living by the good book. It's the hypocrisy. Because while he's saying that to placate some, he's just as addicted to grievance as everybody else. So much so that he threw in his lot in a fugazi fiasco of trying to undo this election because he didn't like the outcome. And as a lawyer, he knew or had reason to know it was bullshit, but he did it anyway. Why? Because he's addicted to grievance. And the Democrats will sit back and allow the Republicans to blow up a speaker of the house. Why? Because we're addicted to grievance. And as long as they're doing worse, the Democrats are doing better. So they just went right along with it. Oh yeah, you want to blow up your speaker of the house and replace him with a religious zealot? Great. And they did it. Why? Because they're playing the same game. Oh, but they're not as bad. Don't make a false equivalency. The Democrats are better than the Republicans, but the game sucks. And they're all addicted to grievance, which is why the Democrats are home to people who are saying things that are too often borderline anti-Semitic. They have members of Congress, members of their party that are shouting down with Israel. Last time I checked, America's not in the business, outwardly at least, of saying they want to see nations destroyed. We don't even say that about Russia or China. You don't hear somebody saying, I hope Russia gets destroyed. You know, it'd be nice. A real civil revolt in China and see the place blow up, become 10 provinces. Nobody's saying that. Why? Because at least outwardly, at least style points still are suggestive of not being addicted to grievance and not being about the destruction of all of your enemies. We don't go full Conan the Barbarian in terms of how we see our relations. We're supposed to want to live and let live and believe in liberty and believe in better and believe in community. And all of those are anathema to an addiction to grievance. When Donald Trump said, make America great again, it was the last positive statement he made in that campaign or the next. Think about it. He doesn't even talk in terms of making things better. It's all about stopping ruination and being an agent of your grievance and an agent of your animus. You gotta see it, it's all over. It's in every controversy that comes up. It's not about the facts, it's about what's gonna make you feel the way you wanna feel. The media panders to it. You're seeing all these cottage enterprises pop up on digital media of people who are just playing to grievance. You name me one star in digital media, one outlet that is pushing positivity and solutions. You show me one person who's worried about immigration on a broken border who is as enthusiastic about what they believe will fix it 
as they are blaming the other side for why it's so bad. And you wonder why it doesn't get fixed? This is proof of the premise that I'm offering you. Why would you fix the immigration problem when the problem works better for you than working on a solution? Because we're addicted to grievance. We're not addicted to progress. America used to be, used to be bigger, better, more, makers, doers. That's us, the New Deal, the Great Society. That's what we were about. How do we get this thing to get bigger and better and more money and more success, right? Keeping up with the Joneses. Now it's let's figure out how to fuck the Joneses. <laughs> the Joneses suck. That's what it's about now. And it's addictive and it's destructive, just like any other drug. And I see it everywhere. Why are the campuses the way they are when it comes to the Middle East? When it comes to Palestine, all of a sudden, seeing Jewish people afraid in America for the first time in my life and with cause, should we change our names? Take down your mezuzah. Should I say that I'm Jewish? What a disgrace in the country that is supposed to be the bosom of protection of the minority. Why? Because we, my brothers and sisters, are addicted to grievance. And I see it everywhere. And I know it's being fed. And I know it's being echoed on this mofo. I want you to see it too. So you don't let it take advantage of you. And you can start pushing people to come up with solutions. And to not just be satisfied by hearing why somebody's worse. They didn't even vote out George Santos. Well, he hasn't been convicted yet. Oh, because that's the bar. That's the bar. They want to impeach Biden, right? They want to throw him out, but not Santos. You see what I'm saying? It's all being addicted to grievance. That's what it is. And when you're addicted to grievance, the only thing that matters to you is what's the bigger grievance? You don't go bad on your own. You go bad on the other guy. Why? Because you've got a bigger grievance against them than you do your own. That's why. No better, just worse. Wokeism, no matter what you see its manifestation or its birth or its intentions, it was always about awareness in all of its manifestations. It's literally about being aware and that is to be done by seeing what's wrong so that you can fight for it to be right. Not now. Now it's just a measuring stick for who to destroy. Everybody looks at every situation about why it's bad and who is worse and why it's a danger. Nobody's promising you to make anything better because you are not demanding it. You're just demanding that they protect you from who and what is worse. And that's not good enough, not in America. What do you think? Do you see it the way I do or do you see something else? Let me know. Thank you for subscribing and following. Thank you for checking out the free agent merch. Thank you for seeking us out on News Nation at 8 p. Eastern and 11 p. Eastern. And I'll see you soon.